Movie Boss Specialist Phil and John are back with our Marvel film review series and doing our new films as well. We are up to Captain America the Winter Soldier, and we're talking bottoms. Uh, there wasn't much being released theatrically this week. We didn't want to go see The Expendables 4. Uh, I'd seen the first one. I get the drift. I don't need to go watch the fourth one. Um, so we didn't see it, and instead we went and we watched Bottoms, a nice little small indie that really didn't make any money at the box office. And then went straight to Amazon Prime and is already being able to be purchased on Amazon. So yep. that's how that one did. Um, how you doing, John? What's going on? I'm doing good. We watched two like really solid movies this week. Yeah, I'm really getting tired of the Captain America movies because they are good and I like them and I hate <laughs> that I like them. But then I remind myself that Thor exists and therefore I am correct that there you go. these movies aren't good. So like I'm still right for the most part. But man, I love the Captain America movies, so I'm really excited to walk uh, talk about the Winter Soldier and like all the things that are right with that movie that are wrong with yeah. 99% of Marvel movies. But I'm gonna do this in the right order this week, and we're yes. gonna talk about Bottoms. Yeah. We're gonna start with Bottoms, and so this is a movie that I had seen the trailer for, and it's just kind of like my aversion to like Hollywood indie at this point, which I'm going to preface mm. with, we're spoiling movies here. That's what we yeah. do. Like if you haven't seen the movie, just be prepared. We are going to talk a lot about it and we're going to get into the, the gritty, gritty details. But when I saw the trailer, I was like, this movie looks like a movie that's trying to be 2023. Football yeah. players are bad. It's about two gay females trying to lose their virginity in high school. And like, they're be pretty much being like bullied and like whatever. And they're going to start a fight club. And I was like, okay, like maybe this will be okay, but let's see. And man, Emma Seligman and Rachel Senat, which I don't know if I'm actually saying her last name correctly. Senat, Senat. Uh, I don't know. So no, so no, thank you. I mean, it's two so. T's, which is what throws me off I because I feel like you would pronounce it. O if it was like, just, one I might T. be wrong too though, but I think it's Sano. Okay. Well, either way, either way, whatever her name is, they are so talented. They really are. Like, I'm just going to say Rachel and Emma are very, very, very talented. And they really took what could have been such a 2023, 20, like, so on the nose, in your face plot that you're going to bank on getting good reviews just because of what the subject matter is. And they turned it into just a classic teen Hollywood comedy that like, I honestly can't wait to watch again. I thought this movie was absolutely hilarious. I thought every single person in this movie played their role perfectly. Um, It was just, it was just such a fun movie. And, and then like, it got a little dark at one point where I was like, do we really need like the seriousness of like her being like yelled at by her friends and then they play complicated by Avril Lavigne and she's kicking a can down the road. Like you've got to yeah. be kidding me. It was just, it's just perfect. Like it's just so well done. Um, so yeah. what you, what was your experience bottoms? I gave it three and a half stars. What was your, I, I also gave it three and a half stars. Life. This movie was so funny. I went like, I went to a matinee on a Friday because it's still playing in theaters up here. Mm-hmm. And I think there was like one other person in the theater and I was just cackling the entire movie this movie was so funny i had already kind of expected it right like we had this pair of writers director actor uh for shiva baby already which was also a phenomenal film so i had high expectations for it and it didn't disappoint and 
the premise of this movie is ridiculous. Like, if you, the, the plot synopsis of two lesbians in high school decide to make a fight club so they can bang cheerleaders, mm-hmm. hilarious. Mm-hmm. And this movie's so much more than that, though. It's, and I, I mean, I'll say it, this feels like it, it's almost like on the level of like a super bad type of like teen comedy. It is. Yep. Yeah, what what was good is like it, it leans really hard into the tropes of if this mm-hmm. was two guys playing this role of we want to start a club so we can sleep with cheerleaders, yeah. but it subverts it with the fact that they're gay, but then at the same time like doesn't subvert it to the point where you're like rolling your eyes at like some of the stuff. Like it mm-hmm. is pushing so hard, and it's putting the football players in the role that normally is reserved for like the jealous like other female yeah. role. And it was great. Like the guy, I don't know what his name is, but the guy who plays not Jeff, but the other football player who like gets Hazel on his side. And he's like, Hazel, what's going on? Like that stuff was so well done. Like I was so into that. I was all about that. It was so much fun. And like, you could tell that everybody involved with this movie was having a good time with it. And every character had a purpose. Like that was probably my favorite part Mm. about it was that there weren't just characters kind of thrown in there just to be thrown in there. Like they all had their purpose. And I I like that they literally have silent Bob or no, I'm sorry, Jay. They literally have a female Jay in this movie. Um, Yes. Where she just like, like she screams with the long hair and the hat and like, she looks like Jay. And I love that character. Uh, The the two main characters are both great. I mean, they're just like phenomenal. Uh, Ayo at a, at a beery. She's great. And Rachel's Rachel is awesome. Like I just love this. And the tagline for this movie, a movie about empowering women in parentheses, the hot ones. That is brilliant because it is like showing exactly what this movie is going to be before you even sit down to turn it on. Yeah, and like you said, like there are just so many different characters in this movie that play these like niche, you know, stereotypical roles. Mm-hmm. And the way this movie works with the satire is it isn't afraid to shy away from it to the point where they're like, this world is insane, completely wild. They're they're talking about this football rivalry that hasn't happened for twenty years, where. One team literally murders someone, mm-hmm. and all the promotional material for it is like about the quarterback literally having sex with people. It and gets like the it's sex football. appeal of the of the quarterback yeah. and the athletes. It's so hilarious because it's so toxically masculine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it leans into that so hard, and you get the. I mean, the football players never take their football uniforms off. They walk around in their football uniforms, which is leaning into that trope of the cheerleaders in the old school movies that used to not take their cheerleader uniforms off. Like they were always in their cheerleader outfits and stuff. And then you have the one football player who's literally in a cage. Jeff is such a fantastically written character, like the way he is. And yeah, the, the promotional material literally says like, get horny homecoming game. And, and things like that. And you can't have pineapples in the school. It's worse than drugs because Jeff is allergic to pineapples. It, I was just so on board with all of it from start to finish. And like when, when I was watching this, 
I kept waiting for like the moment where I was gonna be like, okay, like that's enough. I get it. That's enough. I get it. Mm -hmm. But it just worked. And like, part of me wonders like how much of that is helped by the fact that Rachel is 28 years old (laughs) playing a high schooler. So it almost gives you also that wet, hot American summer kind of humor, even if it's not purposeful or it's like, look at us. Like we're making a movie where we know we're too old for it. And like, we're just going to keep talking about how young and hot everybody is. And like, I mean, obviously she's 28. So like, She's still young and very attractive, but like they're just leaning in so hard to the unrealistic nature of this movie and everything that's happening in it. But in this world, it's all so damn real. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, I, it's almost hard to fathom that a movie like this can come out. And it's really a shame that it kind of falls to the wayside because Mm -hmm. it is kind of just like, clearly it's, it's like a raunchy, like, it's not as raunchy as some of these like teen romps are, but it's a pretty raunchy film. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know what brings people to a movie like this. Like, that's my big question is how does a movie like this attract an audience? Well, so here's we've talked about this a lot on this podcast because we are talking about the most mainstream of the mainstream for half of yeah. our podcast. Yeah. And then for the other half, we're talking about something that's not very mainstream always. I mean, we've talked about a lot of movies that have been box office duds, total mm-hmm. failures. Like we've talked about a lot of those. And I think a lot of it boils down to one simple thing. And I've said it once and I'll keep on saying it, but it's the fact that these indie filmmakers, these indie directors, they're not getting the same attention that they used to get. Independent film is not getting the same attention. And I think a lot of that has to do with streamers and stuff because streamers aren't making money on their own movies. They can say that they're making money on their own movies, but in the long run, they're not. And so what they need to make money on are the movies that they acquire as a part of something. Bottoms is not a movie that is going to help really anyone, right? Like you're not going to get subscribers because of bottoms. And so I think that that is preventing these types of movies from getting the type of PA and attention that they deserve because there's not enough people behind them pushing them, trying to make them these massive successes. It's a shame because nobody cares if Emma Seligman is a monster success, but she has yeah. made two movies. I didn't see Shiva Baby, uh, and now I'm definitely going to. Like, I can't wait. That came out in 2020, to. it came out in the height yeah. of COVID. So yeah. here's this filmmaker who goes to NYU, her thesis for undergrad gets picked up and made into a feature-length film that is really well-received. A lot of people really enjoy it. And yet, she's not getting the type of attention that she should. Now, some people might say, oh, she's a female director, so they could chalk it up to like, oh, they're ignoring because that's what Hollywood does, right? Also only 28 years old. She's only 28 years old. It's crazy. Her and her and Rachel are the same age. Yeah. But it's not that. It's the fact that indie filmmakers are being so brushed aside, with the exception yeah. of Eggers and Ari Aster. Like that is really the those are really the only ones. And the only reason that those two are getting attention, and I really believe this to an extent with Aster, but yeah. definitely with Eggers. It's because of the people who are in their movies. Like The Witch, Robert Eggers was able to get a lot of attention because of The Witch. What year did The Witch come out? 2015. That was a different time for film. 
this yeah. post-2020 COVID whatever has been a disaster. And these type of actors or directors are having a hard time. And so I think there's an audience for this movie. I'm the mm -hmm. audience for this movie, but it didn't yeah. play by me for long enough. People weren't talking about it. And I think the problem is Emma Seligman should be a bigger name at this point than she is. And so should Rachel. She was in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I don't yeah. know what her role was. I didn't see Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. But I think there's a lot of, of attention that could be given to this movie because also, like, everybody loves a teen comedy. Yeah. Everyone loves a teen comedy. Booksmart was a freaking monster. A great movie. Yeah, it, 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 it is that genre that, like, goes on forever, right? Like, yeah. It, it's a genre that everyone equates to. What, it was the... 30th anniversary of like Days and Confused this week. Like mm -hmm. again, these are movies that people flock to and and relate to because everyone's been an awkward teenager. So mm -hmm. when you give us this, it's why people like Super Bad in the first place. Despite how like tenuous the plot of that movie is, yeah, right. And like we have like again, like this is essentially a super plot or the the plot of this movie is essentially super bad just without alcohol involved. Yeah, and it just it comes off in a way where it's. But this movie isn't afraid to take things to a ridiculous level that some of these teen comedies aren't willing to do. Yeah. Because this movie gets absolutely ridiculous towards the end. Oh, yeah. By the end of it. And, and I will say the reason that I didn't give it four stars and I gave it three and a half is because of, like, the third act. The third act, sure, yeah. I, I loved a lot of it. But then there were parts of it where I'm like, what the hell is going on in this movie? Like, yeah. what have we done? But it's it's great. I mean, and I love that all of the characters have their moment. I love that we're literally watching uh, football players be stabbed with swords on the field and die and be killed yeah. by these women. Like, I think it's hilarious. The whole thing. I love that, like, they have all trained themselves well enough to this point that it's believable that they would beat the daylights out of these guys because these guys are all just, like, weaklings anyway, right? Um, yeah. There's another word we would use for it, but I'm not going to use it on the podcast that that people would say about these football players. They're they're so fake. They're not like these manly men that they want to pretend to be. Yeah. And and I love that, like the whole time, they're just like, we're going to keep training each other so we can beat the daylights out of these guys. It's it's really like it's just a fun plot. It's a fun premise. And everybody was clicking on all cylinders. Yep. Marshawn Lynch is so funny as Mr. G. So funny. He is My so God. Funny. The stuff he writes on that chalkboard throughout this movie was killing me. Like I was missing jokes because I was laughing so hard at the stuff he was writing on the chalkboard. His description of the treaty Versailles was great. Him calling Amelia Earhart a fake hero was one of the funniest <laughs> line deliveries ever. And his explanation of why was great because ultimately this was written by a woman who you know throughout her life has probably felt like Amelia Earhart is a fake hero. And that's yeah. what made me laugh about it was because she gave it to Marshawn Lynch of all people to be the one who's telling you that. Like I was just – I mean I was just like into it. And like I haven't been into it with a movie like this in a very long time. Yeah, it, it just felt like even from like the beginning of the movie like – yeah, okay, we, we start off with a couple of F-bombs right away as they're talking about the fact that they're they're finally going to get laid this year and they're going to have a mm -hmm. ton of sex and everything like that. And, you know, it's all set up in a way. And what I really love is Rachel, like, PJ is going after Brittany, who's, like, this nothing character. Yeah. And, like, you're really led to believe, and you would think coming into this movie that PJ is kind of your main character. It's not... I mean, this movie is definitely like Josie's movie, mm -hmm. but 
Britney's kind of like that stereotypical, the person that the protagonist of one of these movies would go after, but she's not in this case, right? It's Isabel instead. And I just love that bit of subversion of expectations here. I I love Mr. G's character. He is so funny. He doesn't care about anything. He's like literally reading porn in class. Yep. And then like totally jumps on board with like this feminist movement that's happening and it's this idea of like empowering women. And then as soon as he finds out it's all lies, he goes so far the opposite direction yeah. that and it's handled so well. Where it's like, yeah, this is the type of reaction someone has when they find out a woman's lying to them and they just blame all of women. Yeah. Like every woman out there. It's it's so funny. And yes, it's, it's like this massive satire of our real world. And unfortunately, is a reality in our real world sometimes. But it is handled so well. And it's just written so well. Just yeah, Emma and Rachel are able to do with the script is phenomenal. And I do, again, I think it helps that like it's written by women like yeah i think that helps this movie a lot because like it's the same thing super bad had to be written by men right like because yeah. that is a male yeah. high school point of view book smart had to be written by women like it makes sense this one had to be written by women because it needs to it needs to have those jokes like also have like a little bit of truth to them but then like have enough like um like comedic uh tone to them like there's yeah. truth and there's comedy in both and i think that's what really helps with this like where if it was written by men it would almost feel like okay like where is that like what is that supposed to make me do with this movie you know exactly what you're supposed to feel especially since one of the writers is also the main character of the movie like that really yeah. helps but the the conversation with her and britney the first time they meet where she's like you could definitely eat a hot dog digest it and poop it out like I just like love how it just goes to that level. And then I yeah. also love that like all of the characters, like Josie's going after, uh, I forget what her name is. Isabel. Isabel. Josie's going after Isabel. And Isabel is kind of portrayed as still kind of an idiot, like throughout the movie where yeah. she keeps going back to Jeff because Jeff is Jeff. And um, what is it? She, when she, <laughs> Jeff's line of, I fucked your mom, nerd. Like, come on. Yes. Like, it does yes. so that good. That actually happened. It's like, so funny. Part of this movie, yeah. Someone's trying to point out that Jeff is cheating on Isabel yeah. with um. Oh, what's the character's name again? Hazel's mom. Hazel's mom, and like Hazel knows specifically that like Jeff is such an egotistical person that he would brag about it if it got yeah. to that point, and he literally says it. Yeah. And that's like, that's what I'm talking about. Like this movie, like, again, I feel like you just know where it's coming from with the jokes yeah. and such that it's making. And that's what really helps elevate it. Like, you know what it's trying to say, you know what it's trying to do. And like, it was one of those movies in lesser hands, this, and I've said, I said it at the beginning of the podcast, yeah. in lesser hands, this feels so preachy. Like this movie could have totally fallen flat, could have been totally tone deaf, could have just felt like uh Oh, look, like we're, we're making a movie that has in a diversity and inclusion, like, and like, it's checking the box almost, but it's just so freaking well handled. Like, I just, I keep saying that, but that's really like the best part of it. Every character feels like they would say and do the things that they exactly say and do. And like mm -hmm. the Hazel character, total so throwaway character in every single other version of this movie. Instead, might be the best character in the movie. Yeah. 
definitely up there for sure. Like she's she's that smart behind the scenes person who's really like the only reason anything in this movie can happen is because of how intelligent she is and her initiative. And she's put off in the back. And then like to use her as this turning point as to why everything kind of falls apart. But to have it in a way where Hazel gets beat up by this football player they've locked in a cage. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I, I just love how, despite the fact that we get to that point where, where Hazel's at the, where they're at the prep, prep rally. And again, we're going back to Marshawn Lynch here, his mm-hmm. facial expressions every time he's like, okay, this shouldn't be happening. Right. And it's yeah. just the character just not doing anything about it. Hilarious. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do also, I will have to say this too. Like, I love yeah. that this movie actually does have Hazel like being like being punched in the face and kicked in the mm-hmm. face and all of this stuff. But this movie is so well made that you can get away with a man physically beating the daylights out of a girl. And these are high schoolers and you're laughing rather than being like, this is disturbing. And I think yep. that's how well made this movie is that you're like into it. And when it ends and Tim, I looked up his name. Tim is like, Oh, isn't that shocking? I guess you're not actually that good at self-defense. And everybody is like, yeah. oh, it's like, wait, what? This is the football player locked in a cage. Like, yeah, it's, right? it's, it's just, it's so good. It's so good. And, and the fact that, like, I mean, let's get into the theme of this movie, right? Like, it is a movie about female empowerment. Like, it, yeah. it really is. And it handles it so well. Because even in this moment when uh, – PJ and Josie's lie about going to Juvie is exposed and everyone hates them. Mm-hmm. The rest of the fight club, they all stick together. Yeah. These women are still sticking together because like they've made real friends. And then as we're going through the, the Avril Lavigne uh, mm-hmm. uh, montage there, we get the David Fincher club and it's everyone yeah. except for PJ and Josie, like still hanging out together. And these are people coming from all different walks of life who have found each other and are working and like are there for each other, despite the fact that they were in completely separate worlds at the beginning of this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I know. And like, I think that's where it gets its message across. And like, we talked about Barbie earlier in the year and Barbie's a good movie, but not a great movie. And it's because Barbie Mm -hmm. drops the ball on those bigger elements. Like that to me, like there's a lot of fake feminism in that movie where it's like, I'm, we're telling you now that it's, feminist and like i you know they were they were hitting you over the head like i talked about america ferrera's speech how it's so clunky and boring and whatever this movie the line of it's the second wave all over again like regarding second wave feminism like was just so well placed and done but ultimately at the end of this movie all of the women do band together do fight to save the day. They are all friends with each other. They all have united. They've united the nerds and the hot girls and whatever. It's so much more powerful mm-hmm. than the fake stuff. And like, that's where I appreciate this so much because like, this is the type of writing Greta Gerwig does when she doesn't have a yeah. massive budget behind her. This is what she does. Lady Bird and Little Women. Like, this mm-hmm. is what she does. The America Ferrera speech is studio interference. I don't care what anybody says. This movie has no studio interference. Yeah. It's just, it just, it just lets itself happen how it needs to happen. And uh, I don't know, like a lot of these people should be stars. Like everybody yes, absolutely. should be a star. 
but there was no there was no advertising for this movie. And honestly, again, I do think that the the trailer they released for it didn't do justice to how funny of a movie it was going to be. It looked like it was just trying to be a raunchy movie about lesbians. Like that's what it felt like it was trying to be. But that's not what this movie is. This movie is so much more than that, but the trailer just did not get that across. And I do think that when you release a trailer like that, there's only so many people who are dying to go watch a movie like that. Whereas Booksmart was a huge success. Yeah. Booksmart came out pre-2020, so that helps. Yeah. But that's just that's that's what I have to say about that, as Forrest Gump once said. <laughs> yeah, it's just this movie, it's so hard. I don't even know how you could make a trailer that properly shows the humor in this movie because this movie doesn't exactly have like general audience humor to it. And I've seen a lot of like reviews on Letterboxd and stuff. This movie's very polarizing with audiences. Some people really love it and some people just like don't like it at all. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't surprise me at all. But like you have to realize that it's funny that this movie is like investigating feminism and then the the end of the day we have these female characters taking on masculine like tropes of violence mm-hmm. in order to save the day right violence like, that is, is exactly like that's the level that this movie is going when it's talking about these themes and it's it's doing it in a way where it shows how ridiculous it is that these type of things are idolized mm-hmm. right like what what Barbie did with the whole like patriarchy thing was it funny? Yeah, but it didn't like it was still kind of tame, in, especially in comparison to what this movie does with the patriarchy. Yeah, and, like how ridiculously masculine this world is, and they don't say the word patriarchy once. Not once. They don't need to hit you over the head with it, and that's what I keep yeah. saying. Like you don't need to completely bang it over your skull so that you get it. Like it's sometimes you just get it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just get it. Like you don't need to, to spell it out so much for me. Like you can, like you can trust me a little bit and like, I get it when the, the public, uh, the announcement from the principal is literally, will the untalented gays please come to the office? Like, I get it. This is not a good guy. This is a comment on how their view, like how the principal at schools is viewing gay students i get it you don't need to then have them go in and be like oh my god principal why do you hate me because i'm gay like we don't need that we get it Mm. um so yeah like i completely agree with you barbie want like barbie was a huge success made a lot of Mm -hmm. money like it's it's a good movie it's a good movie but it is the it is the uh sugar-coated version and bottoms is the screw it, let's actually make, like, a badass movie about female empowerment. Like This movie has two more bombs than Barbie does. Has two more what? Bombs. This has as many bombs as Oppenheimer did. That is true. That is true. Yeah, the the setting of the first bomb to uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart was phenomenal. So good. And it's just... there. It's just a really well-thought-out movie, really well-timed movie. And I think, like, there's just so much chemistry between all of these women. They are phenomenal yeah. in this. Rachel film. and Ao have so much. It's crazy. Yeah. So much. You can tell she hasn't really been in anything. This movie. Who? Um, Ao uh, or Io? At a beauty? At least not in, like, so. a big way. No. 
It looks like like she did Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse, but she's a voice. And then she did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but she's a voice. So, like, she hasn't really she's been... She's in The Bear, which is pretty popular right now. So most people will probably know her from that. I don't even know what that is. It's a TV show. I have lots of praise. I haven't watched it yet, though. <clears throat> yeah, never even heard of it. But, like, none of these women have really been in anything. No. No. I'm curious. I mean, Kaya Gerber was in... Babylon, but she's literally like a background character. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see what Emma Seligman does next. Um, I'm yes. very excited to see what Rachel does next. Like I'm, I'm all in on where the careers of everybody involved in this movie goes. I'm very excited yeah. about it. I was really into this movie and yeah, like that's it. Like I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. And also like, I love that to completely establish like, where this movie was going they just have the line of really that's it that's how long class was that's it when yeah. the bell rings after about 15 seconds of them just like saying jeff 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 it's fantastic because other movies didn't address that yeah yeah it's just we just need more we need more movies where people are willing to just do their thing yeah because exactly. that's just what this movie is and it, it's so enjoyable because of it. If you haven't already, and you're listening to this podcast, but sorry we spoiled everything, but we always do. It's available on digital. Just rent it, buy it, like yeah. watch this movie. It's so funny. It is. All right, let's move on to Captain America the Winter Soldier, which I currently have as the second best uh Marvel Cinematic Universe movie behind the other Captain America. Ooh. So I don't know how that makes you feel, John. But I'm still saying that the other Captain America is the better movie. However, God, what a breath of fresh air this was after the disaster that was the Avengers and also um, Iron Man 3 and Thor. The Dark Iron World. Man 3 and Thor the Dark World. Like, what a breath of fresh air. Even though Iron Man 3 wasn't terrible. What a breath of fresh air. Yeah. This, this is my favorite MCU movie. Mm-hmm. I said that for years. It might change when we're all said and done. I kind of doubt it because I don't think it gets much better. This this movie is so. As much as we were talking last week with like Alan Taylor directing Thor: The Dark World. Holy cow! When you get the right TV directors behind a movie, they can make one hell of a movie. Yeah, they can, and like, they knew how to do the action stuff. And balance the characters, because there are quite a bit of characters in this movie. Yep. But also make it where they're not such big names that people can't um, come in and, like, critique them. Because that's what the Marvel people are always worried about. Uh, Valir says super stoked to watch the movie now. I totally agree with you guys about Barbie. It was so whatever. Um, so I just wanted to throw that comment in. There it is. Um, but yeah, like I do feel like if they were too big of names, like uh, Kenneth Branagh, it's yeah. a little bit harder to critique, critique, critique. But they had the talent to do everything. But then the studio was also able to like push the story the way they wanted to. And what's funny mm-hmm. is with um, Iron Man 3 yeah. and with um, – Thor The Dark World. I was saying how, like, what's the continuity from the Avengers? It doesn't really make sense. This one, there's really no continuity from the Avengers either. However, this is a total movie. 
So it doesn't yeah. need that continuity. It's not trying to be like, oh my God, remember that time you had PTSD? Oh my God, remember that time you were hot and something happened? Like this really is a complete movie on its own. If you watch yeah. Captain America, the first Avenger, and then turn around and watch Captain America, the Winter Soldier, you don't need the other stuff in between. Nope. Iron Man 3, you need to have watched the Avengers. Thor The mm -hmm. Dark World, you need to have watched the Avengers. And I actually think that's fine. I think that works better. Yeah. I think this movie is better because of it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that the MCU's always kind of done. Uh, I can't say always. It's what they really did with this movie in comparison to the other ones, where, yes, it's still definitely a sequel to Avengers. It's how It takes into account the events that happened in the Avengers because we're not at a place where they can build helicarriers with the ability to take out everyone at the same time without the Avengers happening, really. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, without an invasion from outer space and stuff like that. We can't get there. And, and But that's what makes this movie so great is how realistic a response to something like that is. We kind of get a look at, like, the political side of the MCU in a way where this isn't even the movie that features the president of the United States. That was Iron Man 3. Mm -hmm. But this feels like more of a red tape bureaucratic movie that also just happens to be a pretty good spy thriller. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And like the action sequences are earned. And the biggest thing I always talk about these movies is there are no stakes. This mm -hmm. movie, the stakes are high the whole time. Yeah, we all know obviously that Bucky Barnes is the Winter Soldier, so that helps throughout the entire movie. But when they do, they do set it up quite early in the movie that you should expect this to happen. Exactly, but once you know, once Captain America knows, the fight scenes matter. This is mm -hmm. this is Luke versus Darth Vader. That's what they're emulating yeah. here. That's what they're going for. Is you know both of these characters, one of them has lost his humanity. The other one is your ultimate hero. And now the one who is the ultimate hero cannot kill the enemy because they can see the good and knows that there's something in there. That's what this is. Mm -hmm. And it is so much better because of it. As we're sitting there and we're watching that final scene where they are just going toe to toe, you don't want him to kill Bucky Barnes. No. You don't want him to lose, but you don't want Bucky to die. It matters, that fight. This isn't robots fighting robots or super mm -hmm. over-the-top bad guy like Sam Rockwell. You want to know what's going to happen, and you want both people to succeed because you know the humanity's under there. Yeah. It, it, that's the best part of this movie is that the whole time yeah. you know that there is the potential of friendship. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, that's yeah, that's it, and it's just there because it's all set up again. It's coming from the first Captain America. It's it leads perfectly into this. I think this is a movie that really uses its side characters well, which mm -hmm. cannot be said about a lot of the Marvel movies. Yeah, um, Scarlett Johansson's great in this movie, and I think yeah. like we finally have a reason for her character to be involved in something. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a logical sense for Black Widow to be in this movie, and the role that she takes in this movie, the fact that we as a viewer aren't sure who we can trust in this movie is great. And again, it like builds into that whole idea of a spy thriller because like this movie is essentially like a boring movie, really. Yeah, it is. And, and like, I really appreciate the idea of like, who can you trust? 
to yeah. start that off right off the bat is such a good decision mm-hmm. because that really is what it is the whole time, right? Like when, when Captain America recognizes the winter soldier, it's, but I know you, why are you like, I can convince yeah. you. Right. And so to not know, you know, you have his neighbor who's the nurse who actually is working with shield. And then you don't know why Nick Fury is getting killed and blah, blah, blah. Like right down the line, you don't really know where people's motivations lie. You kind of know black widow is not going to be a bad person. It's very clear off the bat that Robert Redford is the bad guy, but you mm-hmm. don't know the smaller pieces that yeah. are being put together throughout the movie. And it's it's just really well paced. Like this is where I always say like with these movies, if you make them right, they can be very good. But yeah. a lot of times they try to be too heady. They try to act like there's something that they're not. They try to act like they're better than what they are. But this movie knows what it is and it leans into what it is, just like the first Captain America does. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah. These. It really is. And I think a lot of a lot of that just comes down to the Russos. Like these are two people who, <laughs> by this point, most well known for arrested development and community. Mm. And like we see what they can do in those, right? Like they know the genre they're working with. Because the, the Russos are the ones who've directed the paintball episodes of community. I never watched community. Oh well. I watched Arrested show. Development and like Arrested Development. I watched the first yeah. episode of Community or first two and wasn't a fan. Uh, you have to get into community. You have to get past the first couple episodes. It's one of those shows. But that's what everybody says, and I never did. <laughs> but these paintball episodes really go to show like how they understand genre and how they understand action. And we really see it in this movie because there are a lot of chase scenes in this movie. Like, and we kind of get like the like casino royale, like rooftop chase sequences. We get the car chase sequences. Mm-hmm. And they're mixed with this. Like really good fight choreography. Like yeah. the best fight choreography we have seen by far up to this point. Mm-hmm. And behind that all is this idea of okay, but is this person who they say they are? It gives you that like, you know, kind of that like invasion of the body snatchers feel of like who is actually someone I can trust and who isn't. And especially when you set up the movie with reasons for Steve to doubt Natasha. Mm-hmm. And then he has to rely on her, even though he doesn't know if he really can. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like all of those decisions work positively. Mm-hmm. That is also like the good thing. Cause like some of those decisions could have fallen flat. And then what is this movie? This movie is just kind of like whatever, but every decision they made really did work and they took some chances, but the chances paid off. Um, I, I do think Nick Fury was probably in too much of this movie. That would probably be like sure, my yeah. biggest knock that they spent more time on Nick Fury and less time on the Winter Soldier, which is why it's three and a half and not four. But like when you're talking just like from an action movie standpoint, they don't really get much better than this. Like this is an no. action movie with mm-hmm. betrayals and it has prior information you need to know, but you don't need to know that much of it. You could just watch this and understand it. Uh, the characters like they're, you know, Robert Redford's clearly the bad guy, but he's not twirling his mustache the entire time. You have like complicated characters like that's good. And yeah, the fight choreography really stood out to me too, because Mm -hmm. I I always said like in the first Avengers, like it looks bad at points. Like there are points in that movie where like, this is cheese ball that wasn't happening in this movie. Uh, I was really more impressed with it, especially since a lot of them are so physical and like, you know, they can do like their Krav Maga stuff. Yeah. 
it needs to look good and it does. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, yeah, it just looks good. It does. And I mean, it helps like even with, I mean, you have one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time playing a villain in this movie. Robert I don't know if Redford. you caught that. Hmm? Robert Redford. You say Robert Redford? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm definitely talking about George St. Pierre on the boat at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just like, it's one of those things that I laugh so much when I see GSP in this movie. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot GSP tried to be an actor for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But A lot of Steven Seagal just, movie. Yeah. But like, look at what he brought to the fight because of that. Like, they have an actual fighter doing this fight. Mm -hmm. Like, it just looked a lot better. And it, you know, it made the movie feel more real. It felt like, again, like you were saying, it felt like there were stakes this entire movie. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that, like, us now knowing that there's like 23 more Marvel movies after this, know that Captain America isn't going to die. But like, you don't necessarily feel that as you watch this movie. Well, and it's not even so much Captain America, right? It's some of the other characters around him. Mm -hmm. Like Nick Fury could have died in this and I wouldn't have been shocked. Yep. Uh, Black Widow could have died in this if I didn't know Black Widow, the movie existed. Like there are opportunities for some like shocking deaths in this they don't ultimately come to fruition but they could be there and that helps because the side characters you care enough about in this movie to care if they're going to live or die and it leaves you with enough doubt throughout the movie that something bad could happen i mean kobe smolders is still whatever like i still just shrug my shoulders at that character but I like kobe smolders in the entire mcu so that's fine yeah i mean it is what it is but like the rest of it like i like it like i like that I care about more than just Captain America. Because when you watch the mm. Iron Man 3 movie, it's like you care about Tony and he cares about Pepper, but you don't really buy the relationship. And who else do you care about in that movie? No one. And and I did like the relationship between Captain America and the Falcon because mm. it feels natural. It feels like a real thing. Like this movie is based in a little bit of reality. And that yes. actually feels like a real relationship that would happen between two people who are in the military. I think that's where this movie benefits where Iron Man and Thor didn't play post Avengers is this movie is just so grounded in a reality of like a, a reality of plausibility. No, there aren't like helicarriers everywhere, but you could see there being some sort of government organization that's making some sort of weapon like this mm -hmm, mm -hmm. out there and there being corrupt people inside that government organization. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, all of that stuff, like to me, is secondary. Like mm -hmm. so much of like, I find so much of the Marvel like plot lines to just be like whatever. Because I'm like, yeah, they're doing something. Yeah. Like Natasha, she this person's almost as smart as me. Ha 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 ha. Like you can yeah. hear her robot laughing, and it's like okay, like like I get it. Like there's gonna be some conspiracy. There's gonna be somebody working behind the scenes, but it's it's less about what do I care about that type of story? Like, what do I care about the villain arc? Because all the villain arcs are kind of the same and more about what do I feel about the journey the hero is on? That's mm -hmm. what I care more about. The other stuff is going to be there in all of those movies and I'm not going to pay attention to half of it. It's just going to be like, whatever. But I get what you're saying. Like, it is something that mm -hmm. is still grounded in a form of reality, which is what the Captain America movies are trying to do. Yeah. And, and you're talking about the journey of a character and, I think this is why this works with Cap, obviously, is the fact that like he is this poster boy for what a hero should be. Mm -hmm. 
and then to make him this fugitive because of a rogue organization within an organization that is supposedly trusted makes it out to be that like it, it shows a different part of this character that we didn't get to see right he's the, he's the boy scout but he can't be a boy scout in this position right like he has mm-hmm. to don his ball capping glasses in order to go incognito and you know make out with Natasha on an escalator because people mm-hmm. have an aversion to public displays yeah. of affection yeah like to the point it, where you these little things in this sorry to the point where you don't recognize them yeah Right, and it's like these little tiny things that you don't make sense, and then you put in this like you get to the point where like Steve sees Bucky, and then all of a sudden the Boy Scouts back, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Like he has to go back because he knows he can't save his friend by being this shape shadowy character, like going through the shadow, beating people up in elevators. He knows he has to now be his altruistic self in order to bring his friend back from the darkness that's claimed him. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so was it established that we knew about the winter soldier with Toby Jones in the first movie? Was that ever established that like his whole unit was taken and they tested on him? No. Okay. So that was definitely like a lazy bit of like recon. uh, What do you call it? I mean, that's like straight out of the comics. Yeah, I know, but it's still one of those things where, like, there was no, like, so when Captain America just rattles that off, I'm like, oh, okay, that's convenient that he knows that, because it's not established before. But he didn't know that. He never rattles it off himself. He does. He says, like, he says, like, oh, he was, his whole unit was captured, and they ran tests on him. He says that. Well, it wasn't his whole unit, though. It was just... Captain America says that about, um, about Winter Soldier, about Bucky. Like, oh, when Bucky was done, he was able to survive it. Isn't that him who says that? I don't think so. No. Somebody says that. I thought that was Toby Jones' character, but I might be wrong. I don't know. I have to think. I thought it was him. But anyway, whatever. I got to nitpick something, don't I? I mean, we could nitpick how bad the CGI is in this movie. Uh, Some of it. It looks terrible. It's still a lot better than Thor, and you love Thor, so... I do. But, like... There's some, there's one scene. It's during the fight where Steve finds out that it's Bucky, like right before he finds out it's Bucky and they're fighting along like the armored truck and his shield gets stuck in the truck. That's CGI for some reason. Like the shield in that instance is CGI. And I can't figure out why. The The worst part of the CGI for me was when Falcon was running through the building. Sure. I was like, is that landing on him? It looks like it's landing on him. Is he running amongst it? Is he running in front of it? Like, it looks like he's in it. That was yeah. the part that for me, I was like, eh, I'm not buying it. That's fair. Um, but how otherwise, did, like, you- I also feel like I'm a little forgiving with it because I don't watch that many like special effects heavy movies. Sure, and like, yeah. I'm at the point now where like 2014, I'm like, what was the movie supposed to look like in 2014? Like, what was another oh, action movie that came out in 2014? I don't know. There was a born movie that came out that year, wasn't there? Was there the bad one with Jeremy Renner? I mean, Interstellar. So never mind. Interstellar came out that year, so it should have looked better. Yeah, it should have looked better. Never mind. uh, How did you feel about the introduction of the Falcon of Sam Wilson, just like in the beginning of this movie? And that's how the movie starts with just Steve running, oops, and then like having this conversation with this random character. I kind of liked it. I mean, because for me. 
it felt like it felt like something that would happen. Like, why do you keep running mm-hmm. in the morning? Well, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And like, yeah, is it coincidental that like he also happens to be the Falcon? Sure, but it's a movie. Um, yeah, I, I I liked it because it felt like a normal thing. I don't think we needed mm-hmm. some like big like oh, and we've been working with you know the the whatever who have designed these wings for people. I thought it was kind of yeah. cool that like Shield didn't really know about it. Mm-hmm. Do you not like it? It feels like that's what you're trying. No, to No, I do at. like it. I do, I do like it. I because again, like I, I talked about it with the Avengers, like when we were talking about the Avengers and how I didn't like the fact that it was Shield bringing everyone together. And that I wanted it to be a more natural meeting. And we get that here. We get these two characters who just happen to run into each other. And Steve apparently trusts him enough to go to him to hide in his uh, house during, you know, as he's being hunted by Nazis. Well, like, I mean, I think the biggest point at that is he doesn't have a reason not to trust him. It's not even so much that he does trust him. It's that why would this guy be involved? with what's going on because he doesn't see him as somebody who would be a part of shield or you know the corruption of shield so i think that's more of what that is which yeah i'm like i was on board with it i actually really like i thought the i thought there was actually character development in this movie which can't be said for a lot of marvel movies a lot of the ones we've watched so far don't have character development at all and i feel like there was character development. i feel like part of that character development was him randomly running into the 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 falcon and the falcon doing whatever it is the falcon does like i i feel like that was very normal and if that was in a regular movie and this guy didn't have a parachute that let him grow wings essentially i would not question it like if this was a born movie and it's like well i went to my little safe house i'd be like yeah okay like that's a person that he has no reason not to trust so i'm Mm -hmm. i'm okay with it yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I, I just think, like, Anthony Mackie just, like, feels like he fits this role really well, too, mm-hmm. of this this confident man who's been shaped, who's, like, been shaken up, but is now, like, still, like, has fought his demons and is, like, standing up now. And I think, like, the scene where he's, like, leading the help group and stuff is huge to just, like, tell you about this character, right? Like, it tells you so much about his character they or sorry, they show you so much about this character in the little screen time he has before he's actually like roped into everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a shame with Anthony Mackie that he doesn't get more normal roles. That like mm-hmm. his movies really are this, because um, he's talented. I mean, he's great in the yep. Hurt Locker. Even though I, I don't really like the Hurt Locker, like he's great mm-hmm. in it. Um, yep. You know, I feel like he is a very talented actor who has just kind of gotten stuck being this like he's just he's the falcon that's it yes that's all he is throughout everything Mm -hmm. what do you mean is that not who Uh, he is well he has an upcoming movie let's just put it that way what's his upcoming movie uh captain america new world order oh is he oh so i get you okay yeah I did know that. Don't they? Is yeah. that established in one of the movies or is that established in the show? TV show, obviously. That's why I'm spoiling it. That's so stupid. Yes. Yes. But we, we'll get more. Speaking of stupid and Marvel TV shows, this movie has a very large twist on it, right? All of a sudden, you find out that Hydra has been inside S.H.I.E.L.D. since the beginning and has yeah. been like waiting for its moment to take over essentially the entire world. You'll remember I mentioned that after the Avengers that they did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. which was their, the, TV, the ABC run airing TV show 
mm-hmm. uh, starring um, Phil, like Clark Gregg's character, Phil Coulson and stuff. The week after this movie released, that show is all about Hydra being in S.H.I.E.L.D. That's really funny. That so show that aired is... on Tuesdays. You had five days to see this movie to not be spoiled if you were watching that TV show. That's crazy. That is that is pretty insane. I mean, I guess at that point they were just like, look, if you're that big of a fan, you're going to go see it this weekend anyway. But that is – yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy that they didn't that's, give it any time. <laughs> that's why in future seasons the show isn't related to anything happening in any of the movies. Of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Like the, the show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., never intersects with the movies again after that point. Is it because the of backlash or was it a decision that they made? I think it was just a decision that was made probably because of some backlash. I mm. think, again, I do think you're right. I think people watching that show were first weekend Marvel viewers anyways. For sure. But I, I think once you're like, whoa, this seems really fast. I know I already saw the movie, but like somebody probably did it. Do it four weeks later. Like why like do it after people have had a month. Like what if you were like on vacation for a weekend? So you haven't seen the movie, yeah. but you know you're not doing anything. Yeah. And you don't realize how connected these shows are. Like mm-hmm. the show is the movie. Because like at this point, like there had been a couple of crossover characters. Uh Lady Sif from the Thor series was in an episode. Uh and like there's a bit of like some hints to like um, the Chitauri and stuff like that and their involvement in things but like it had never been as close as to by the way shields full of Hydra one of these characters you've known the entire time is a Hydra agent yeah 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 so did they reveal that too like right off the bat yeah yeah that's funny yeah it was yeah. and it's like I think there's like four or five more episodes left in the season at that point Mm-hmm. Honestly, the show really ramps up at that point because all before that it was a bunch of like monster of the week type episodes. Yeah, they but were definitely point, trying like, to build and just last until that started, and then they then yeah. they get ready. Yeah, uh, but it was just that's where Marvel was in 2014, right? And like this is we're just about to get to the point where the Netflix Marvel shows started coming out, mm-hmm. which have now been erased. They don't exist anymore. Uh, yeah, like, what are we talking about with those? Like, they didn't even put those on Disney Plus at this point, huh? No, and it's been confirmed that the upcoming Daredevil series is a reboot of the series. That's crazy, man. That's that's scary that they just, like, can yes. make stuff vanish, you know? Yes. Yeah, but it's just, it's interesting. It's like, did you know about the twist in this? Like, did you know Hydra was in S.H.I.E.L.D. before watching this? No, but also, like... Those two words really mean nothing to me. Do you know what sure. I mean? Like it'd be different yeah. if I was like a really big fan of these movies or if I was like a comic book lover, but I'm not. So like when it's like Hydra has been in shield the whole time, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Like, it, it, like there's, that's there's, true. there's like, it is like the most level. It's George Costanza sitting on the, on the chair, eating his popcorn, like moving his head back and forth. Like that's kind of yeah. how I felt like it did. It did nothing that I was like, Oh my God. I was just like, Oh, those are things I've heard of, you know, it was almost like that, uh, yeah. whatever his name is when he's showing the nun, it's like, there's the nun. Like that's ah, kind of how it yeah. 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 So yeah, that's I don't cool. know. Like, it didn't matter. How did you feel about Robert Redford? Loved him. Yeah. I was 
just going to say, like, I think Robert Redford is like one of the greatest actors of all time. And he's so natural. Mm -hmm. It's unreal. And I feel like he plays like the scummy Senator. So good. I love the scene where the maid walks back in. It's great. And Robert Redford, like, cause you're not sure what's going on in that moment. I mean, Mm -hmm. It's pretty obvious Robert Redford's the bad guy, but like you haven't had confirmation yet, and you just see the Winter Soldier there. You think he's there to kill him, yeah. And then he's like, "I wish he hadn't come back in and kills her." It's yeah. just, it's a great way of introducing someone as a villain in a movie. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. Like at that point, you know he's going to end up being the villain, but mm-hmm. it's still like a cool little way of like hammering it home while the the unknown is sitting there with him. Like now he's the big bad and we know the winter soldier is Bucky Barnes. So like, we know that, you know, there's something a little off there, but like, that's, that's a good scene and it's killing a character that nobody cares about, but also like, you know, it establishes what it needs to establish. And I just think, think Robert Redford just like plays it. Well, he looks the part he plays the part. Like, I forget Robert Redford is still alive because him and Paul Newman are just so attached yeah. throughout film history. And Paul Newman's been dead for like 20 years now. Yeah. So like, it is kind of crazy to think that Robert Redford is like still like going and like, I know he made like the old man and the gun a couple of years ago. I think he's like 87 now. So he's not like yeah. making anything, but yeah, like I thought he was great. I thought he was, I thought he was perfect for it. Yeah. I, he's just, and this just feels like, it feels like a better villain than we've had in the Marvel universe so far. Right. Like, yeah. Again, we we talk about motive, and the motive is he is part of this like organization that's had an entire movie setting it up. We know what mm-hmm. Hydra is, and because we know what Hydra is, we understand the motives of this character. Mm-hmm. We understand what he's tr- trying to accomplish, and he that de- like you said you said earlier he doesn't mustache twirl at all. No. No, it's very easy to understand what's going on, and it's clear from an early point in the movie that he is the bad guy, mm-hmm. but he's not sitting there like, you know, snidely whiplash and we don't need that. Yeah. And he's not, he's not defeated because people beat him to it. He mm-hmm. is defeated on the brink of victory. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which I guess does happen a lot in these movies, but it still, does. But like is- his feels like more of a victory, right? Like his feels yes. like we understand what the victory really would be, and we understand the motivation behind the victory. And the victory feels like it has a lot more stakes because we're talking the end of Shield, the end of the, like this protection agency, the end of pretty much the Avengers. Like it's it's mm-hmm. like uh, it, the stakes are real as opposed to like I am going to make it so that fire people kill your friends. Like yeah, it doesn't matter. Elves yeah. are coming. Oh no. <laughs> like it's yeah, the stakes are there. That's the biggest thing. I mean, that's the biggest takeaway from Captain yeah. America's Winter Soldier. The stakes, the stakes, the stakes, the stakes. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. And despite the fact that it's doesn't lead us into any like there's no mention of infinity stones in this movie. The post credit mm-hmm. scene shows us like Loki's staff, which we understand Hydra has because Hydra is shield. Mm-hmm. Um and like it hints at stuff there. But and the twins, this which, like, that means nothing to me. But like, I get that the yep. twins are like a thing. Yeah, but like, it doesn't do anything to like. It was one of our complaints about Thor was that it's mentioning these things, but it's not doing anything to progress to what we saw at the end of the Avengers. We have no idea what's going on because there's this random villain and everything. Mm-hmm. And again, we get to the post credits. It's like Infinity Stones, but in this one, it just ignores all that and it just focuses so much on 
things we already are familiar with. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and then the last scene is like the last last post credit scene is Bucky Barnes seeing himself as Bucky Barnes, mm-hmm. and it's like that's a meaningful last scene. Like so many of the post credit yeah. scenes, I'm like, why? That's a great yeah. one. That one makes mm-hmm. sense. I get it. Yeah, and we didn't even talk about the fact that like Bucky pulls Cap out of the river. Yeah. Right. Like, like it's those little beats where it's like it gives you hope. It gives you hope that he actually got through to him, despite the fact that he's not sticking around. They're not hugging it out and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's he's clearly understanding of the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sets things up really nicely. I hope it pays off. It it doesn't now. It does in this movie, but I, I think this is the end. What actually? What are we doing next week? We didn't talk about it. No, we didn't. Net, uh, we we're doing Guardians of the Galaxy. That's our Marvel movie. Yeah, I know that, but what? But what? Hang on, let me look. Let me look at my. What's recall. releasing next week? I'm gonna look at uh, that new Gareth Edwards movie is coming out. The Creator. Oh well, I mean, I think that's an easy one. Let me just make sure it's playing here. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could do, or we could do Paw Patrol, the Mighty movie. Uh, I would much 10. rather do the bad. I would much rather do the bad sci-fi movie. Seems it no. seems like the appropriate movie to be doing at the same time as Guardians of the Galaxy. All right, we're doing Paw Patrol, so that sounds good. No, okay, so yeah, the creator, dumb money, also gets a wider release, but I think I think the creator is the money maker here, and we'll see how mm-hmm. that goes. Um, yeah. But this week actually does give us some weeks to play with, even though I know The Exorcist, the Believer, comes out next week. This does give oh, us a little next bit week of time. Already. Oh my god! I know this does give us a little bit of time to play because if the creator, then you have Saw Ten. Um, and dumb money, if that has any legs, like that could be worth watching too. We also so. finally got a wide release date for Killers of the Flower Moon, which will be towards the end of October now. Oh, okay. When is what is the date? Do you know? It's the 20th. The 20th is the wide release. Okay, cool. So we'll definitely do that that week, and I will try my best to find four hours of my life because I'm going to see yeah. in the theater that's going to have 20 something minutes of credits or 20 something minutes of uh, whatever you call them trailers, trailers commercials. Yeah. All right, so next week, Guardians of the Galaxy and the Creator. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Sci-Fi City, baby. Woo! And then what's what's after Guardians of the Galaxy? The next Avengers movie. Oh, so it's Avengers, Age of Ultron. Age of no, Ultron. Age of Ultron. Yeah. So it's Age of Ultron, and then that'll be paired yeah. probably with Exorcist the Believer. Yeah. So I can be terrified at how bad two movies are. I'm just kidding, guys. I'm going to give everything a chance. <laughs> I'm flipping off the camera. You guys just can't see my middle finger. But anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, We enjoyed bringing it to you. Sorry, towards the end, I got exhausted because I've been podcasting for three hours and 45 minutes, essentially, at this point. So, um, yeah, thank you all for listening. Hope you're enjoying the series. Go watch Bottoms if you haven't. It is so worth a watch. And Captain America the Winter Soldier almost gives me faith in the Marvel cinematic universe even though i know it doesn't actually give me faith in the marvel cinematic universe so that's it that's what i got i hope everybody enjoyed this and uh we'll see you next week bye